0: How are you thinking and processing the future of diversity in NASCAR?
1: My goal is to make sure that when you hear the word uh, NASCAR or or hear something about our sport, I want you to constantly be curious. So that when you see me uh, outside representing and and recruiting on behalf of NASCAR, I want you to be curious. Like, oh, he's there. Maybe I could be there. I want to learn more about NASCAR. I want to make sure that I have the ability to lead out front in growing our employment brand. Because for some, they may not expect to see me here. And that's okay, because I want you to be curious to learn more about what we have going on here at NASCAR. It's important that we continue to tell our story ourselves and tell our authentic story.
0: Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 2% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back. Today, I have for you a fantastic guest. You're going to like this one. I've got John Ferguson, who is the Chief Human Resource Officer over at NASCAR. Now, NASCAR, in case you're not familiar with it, is the American auto racing racing, sanctioning and operating company that is best known for stock car racing. That's right. NASCAR is the leading promoter of motorsports activities and sanctions with more than 1,200 races in over 30 U.S. states. And in his role, he oversees the HR function of NASCAR and provides strategic leadership around talent acquisition, employee engagement, and culture development. And let's not forget about his varied background. So we talked about NASCAR, but also for nearly a decade, he served in HR roles at Monumental Sports Entertainment, also known as MSE, in Washington, D.C. And while he was there, he led the HR function for six sports teams' properties, including the Washington Wizards, Washington Capitals, and Washington Mystics. Four facilities, including Capital One Arena, and more than 2,500 employees. Now, back to John, a little bit more about that. He serves on the Alumni Board of Directors for Furman University, the UNCF Orlando Leadership Council, and Durham Success Summit Advisory Council. He has a bachelor's degree in political science from Furman, an executive certificate strategic diversity and inclusion and management from Georgetown University, and an MBA from the Howard University School of Business. And among his many <laughs> accolades here, Is recognized by Savoy Magazine as a 2022 Most Influential Black Executive in Corporate America. John, welcome to Lead the Team. Hey, hey, Ben. Thank you for having
1: me today. It's so good to be here with you. Uh, But most importantly, I have to acknowledge uh, that we both have some Carolina roots there in South Carolina. So excited to be here with a fellow uh, Carolinian, even though you're not originally from there, but we share a common ground.
0: Yes, sir. I'm an Alabama native. Uh, not f- I grew up and actually spent some time in Talladega, where that were that big race is in Talladega. And John or John here is from the, the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville. And I'm I'm based here in Charleston. And so and you and this is gonna be really trippy because I have a pretty thick accent. At least I did when I was growing up. It only usually comes out when I'm talking to another southerner. And John, it's gonna you come
1: out today. E- even mine, you're gonna you might hear a couple of y'alls in there. So let's roll. Right, a it. couple <laughs> of y'alls.
0: Well, listen, y'all. But f- funny thing I want to start out with, I'm, of, of all the places, um, TikTok, okay, they, I'm, we're, we're doing a little research and, you know, coming up with John's thought leadership, you know, wh- which we're going to get into in a second. But the, my, my first experience of you was on a, seeing you on TikTok watching or walking on a treadmill desk in your office. What what was going on there? With that I like video? it.
1: So, so a couple things we were doing, we were filming. So we launched a wellness program this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we want to do like a launch video. So that was some footage from the launch video. Uh, but we actually had one of our NASCAR diversity interns uh, with us this past summer. Uh, she's from Florida mm-hmm. AM, uh, which is a HBCU here in Tallahassee, Florida. And so she was doing a day in the life feature. And so that what okay. you saw was the day in the life of John Ferguson. So I had her assist <laughs> me with that. Um, so it was fun. I was. She showed how at the top of that day I had this brought this production set up, and we were doing this mm-hmm. filming, uh, walking on this desk. After a while, I will say I did break a sweat. Uh, she she <laughs> she caught me when I had to transition to go to a meeting, to another meeting, grab lunch. So it was a it was a fun day. So I hope that it allowed some younger audiences or people who just don't know what it's like to be in uh, my role in an organization like NASCAR to give them a little behind the scenes. Uh, But most importantly, you touched on one thing that's that's Mm -hmm. a life hack, a pro tip I want to offer everyone here. TikTok. I Mm -hmm. am on TikTok. I welcome everyone to be on TikTok uh, because I think it is a wealth of knowledge. So uh, I remember when I was younger, you know, you probably grab an encyclopedia when you want to learn something new or understand it. Uh, And then, you know, Google hit the scene. Then I think everyone would go to Pinterest. I think everything that you have there is now captured on TikTok. Uh, You have professionals giving free consultation Mm -hmm. and advice Mm -hmm. on tons of things. If you really want to learn the new and trendy dance, you can learn that there also. But I think there's a lot of career advice and just life advice. So, you know, we recently moved to Florida and, you know, we have a we we purchased a home. So we're getting settled. There's little things that I have to do around the house. You know, where I go to first to figure out how to fix something. I go to TikTok. So (laughs) I I offer that up because I think
0: some people kind of like that's for kids.
1: And I'm going to say, no, I, I, you can do a lot of preparation for life and just your career development on TikTok.
0: That, that is great. And I think that most people, a lot of a lot of executives and leaders thinking they're like, man, TikTok's for kids. But I do think that you're onto something because their audience is growing and there's a reason for that. And it's a great place to, to be entertained and learn. Are you an Instagrammer also?
1: I do have Instagram, Instagram. Um, and it 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 doesn't serve the same purpose as TikTok. TikTok to me is now my 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 Google of sorts. Uh, you know, I tell you one of the things that I that first was on my radar was quiet the theme of quiet quitting. I, mm. I saw that, and it really was birth from TikTok. Uh, mm. But then also looking at various people's responses and reactions to it, understanding the nuance of who and how quiet quitting is being defined.
0: Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, that's where the yeah. So it, it probably got onto LinkedIn like two minute, two months later, but it was <laughs> it was on TikTok first. Like, hey, there's this novel idea of quiet quitting. No LinkedIn, you did not invent that term. No. It was already over on TikTok. Well, what is it like being um, NHR, Chief Human Resource Officer? Over at NASCAR, because a lot of people probably have the reputation of it being sort of a rough environment, right? There's automobile, people are, you know, cars are traveling at hundred plus miles an hour. Uh, It's just probably like a crazy atmosphere to some people. People have been to races, but you're here, you here you come and kind of leading the HR side of this. What's the what? What do people need to understand? I think, I think the biggest thing that
1: people need to understand that while we are sports, we are entertainment, we're still a corporation. So mm. we, uh, we put on our shoes just like anyone that works in banking, anyone that works in tech, uh, and we have a corporate structure that guides us and allows us to meet our employees where they are. Uh, mm. One of our corporate objectives is to build a people-first company culture, um, and that is something that I really lean into. I think as we grow and evolve, we have to figure out how we meet employees where they are. Uh, Mm -hmm. So as a a general rule, when when you're coaching up new leaders, I want to make sure they understand the practice of using and exercising good judgment. Of course, we're going to have a handbook and we're going to have various Mm -hmm. policies in place, but I want you to understand the nuances of life. Uh, And sometimes the nuances of life require us to bring a blend to whatever the policy may say, but whatever is the best outcome for the employee. But most importantly, what is the best outcome for the organization? Uh, I oftentimes think that when people think of NASCAR, they probably picture our fan base, a big party, party, especially in Talladega. (laughs) Uh, but but I think just just don't forget we we are a, a multi million dollar industry uh, that is looking to entertain, attract, and delight our fans, but also grow, support, mm. and, and and engage our employees across all enterprises. I think one thing that most people wouldn't recognize is how nuanced our our ecosystem is of of NASCAR and just motorsports we you know nascar's organization we recently merged with isc back in 2019 so nascar is a sanctioning body and then isc was the tracks was most of the tracks mm-hmm. uh, both of which were owned by the france family one organization was a public entity and one was private nascar the sanctioning body was private uh, the tracks was the public. So in 2019, uh, we all came under the umbrella of NASCAR. And okay. so when you think about that, we have huge infrastructure. Uh, we own the technology. So the, the drivers were headsets, racing electronics, NASCAR owns that. Uh, we think about our research and development. We just launched the next generation car. We have engineers and doctors who built that car, who created the patent, all of that stuff, the trademark. Wow. All of that is within NASCAR. So uh, I want you to know we are much bigger than these cars going around these tracks and going really mm-hmm. fast. Everything that essentially touches that ecosystem, NASCAR has an ownership stake in it.
0: So what I'm taking away is NASCAR is is much more expansive now, and it's become quite an enterprise because you're bringing all these facilities underneath it. Um, wow. And so what is the advantage of, of having all of this, because you're adding more complexity, certainly, to your role. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What's the advantage of bringing the facilities, the technology, all these additional employees, in, in addition to the racing, all under one umbrella?
1: I think it allows us to have a consolidated strategy uh, as we look mm-hmm. to grow the sport. Um, because we, we, we break down some of those potential silos or barriers to communication. Um, and uh, when we think nice. about mm-hmm. all of this. We want to be able to keep an eye on the big picture, but also go towards that destination in a lockstep manner. Uh, so when you bring all those resources under one roof, we're able to leverage the power of the expertise that both of them had separately to, to come together as one. And, and with that, I would say we're unstoppable. So I'm excited to see where the sport will continue to grow.
0: Yeah, it's really cool to think about because if you're trying to create change in, say, diversity or just mindset or use the term good judgment across the organization, sure is a lot easier to do if you've got alignment at the top levels and you don't have two or three separate groups and you can move a lot faster uh, within that. Um, double clicking on good judgment. You said you want to make sure that employees understand what, what good judgment is and all that. And To me, there's like the common sense approach to like, okay, good judgment, but what's common sense to me? And that may not be common sense to somebody else based on their upbringing or other or other companies that they've worked for. Um what do uh what's your leadership advice for people who want to instill good judgment in in their employees? I I think it's a matter
1: of making sure that you allow employees to try different things, different mm-hmm. approaches, especially when I think about younger employees and even when I look at or reflect on my younger self. You know, I had this bright idea, you know, you get this this junior employee, like, this is what we should do. Now, maybe with my 10, 15, 20 years of experience in the space, I know the outcome of that, but there's two approaches here. I can say, no, you don't need to do that. And this is why, or or just flat out, no. Or I can say, hey, let's give it a shot because there's a couple opportunities here. Maybe when I did it and it didn't work, which was 15, 20 years ago, there were some reasons why, but maybe because we have evolved as people, we have evolved as organizations, technology has evolved. What was a no 20 years ago could possibly be a success today. But I think the greatest lessons of life are the ones where you tried something firsthand and either you failed or you succeeded. But if I continue to give you the answer, I, I limit your ability to think critically and to also even mm-hmm. think to see around the two corners ahead of where you are. So it goes mm-hmm. back to the, the notion of, you know, give a person a fish, they'll eat for a day. If I teach you how to fish, you'll eat for a lifetime. And so I want to make sure that we're giving leaders the skill set and not the default. Like, let me just ask HR: What does the policy say for this? Well, the policy could say that if an employee is X, Y, and Z, then maybe this is what happens next. But if we peel back a layer of that onion, we may uncover that said employee had uh, a death in the family. Said employee had an emergency that morning. Said employee has a new uh, a new child at home. All of those Mm -hmm. things should be layered into whatever the desired outcome is. But if you come and ask me just, well, what is the answer here? I can give you an answer, but then that may not be the right solution for that moment Mm -hmm. or that employee's uh, current circumstances or your department circumstances. So I want you to use good judgment um, and know that there's there's always going to be an answer, but life is not, you know, so rigid, and it's not so black and white. There's a lot of gray. And so I want you to understand how the nuances of the gray operate so that you can lead your team effectively,
0: yeah, so, so good. And great advice for leaders to be thinking about how they instill this in their employees because if you uh, one of the words that comes to my mind is trust. and you have to trust them. and uh, but a lot of times, uh, maybe someone breaks that trust or they're not quite ready to. to take on a full responsibility of of what they need to do to get done. And so, but maybe giving them enough space to take action, to make some mistakes on the way and figure it out for themselves uh, can be really good. But then you've also got to think about putting some boundaries around that so they don't take the place down. Uh, What's your, what's your approach on that?
1: Of course, there's, there's always going to be a framework and a level of accountability. Um, And so there are times when someone is trying something And you do have to say, hey, I I think we have other priorities that that are ahead of this. So let's figure out, is this a moment where we put this on pause? This is a moment where we reconcile and say, hey, this maybe this isn't what we thought it was going to be. Or is this a moment that we need to get some additional resources around it so it can go? Uh, But I think that's where you want to have steady communication with your team so that they can understand that framework, but also the expectation. Uh, Mm -hmm. So. As I've gotten older in my career, I have i think when I was younger, I probably wanted something to be perfect. But as I've gotten older, I recognize that sometimes good will suffice. And sometimes the notion of striving from perfect creates a snowball that never reaches that destination of perfect. So now what we were trying to accomplish isn't getting put out there because we, Whoa, we keep editing this piece. We keep editing this piece. Oh,
0: yeah. I no. like
1: the concept of let's get it out there. If it's good, let's do it, and know that we can continue to refine it. We can continue to make it better.
0: Yeah, like and you I get a little feedback it. that way. You got you got to expose it to air. Let people see it. Correct. Now, no, all your employees, totally your drivers, totally your customers, how yes. they respond. Want to boost your productivity and decision making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not, go to bentfanningcom slash insight. So let's t- let's unwind or step back a little bit in your career because one of the things that really comes up to me looking at is you you, you were at, I believe you're in the hotel in the hotel world for a while. Then you got into with with MSC and went really crazy in the sports industry. So different different sports entirely, and then you made the leap to racing. I mean, you, so it's like, it's almost like you sort of niched your executive career in sports, but not one sport, many, many sports. What's, I mean, I'm just curious how in the world did you get into the sports world in the beginning and what has kept you there?
1: All right. So let's, let's start, let's start from the beginning. I um, graduated from Furman and I moved to DC cause I was a poli-sci major. So of course that makes sense. You're going to work on Capitol Hill Uh, But lo and behold, I got my first full-time job working for Hyatt Hotels. I do want to give Hyatt a quick shout out, simply because that was such a great training ground for me as a young professional, uh, because we had just certain grooming standards. Uh, You learn hospitality. Hospitality is is customer service, and customer service goes with you everywhere that you go. Uh, When I think about the core role of us as HR professionals, we are customer service agents to the internal mm-hmm. organization. Uh, so I'm super thankful for just the level of professionalism, maturity that was uh, that was instilled in me at Hyatt and understanding, uh, you know, in the hotel world, you have front of the house and you have back of the house. Uh, but front of the house is where your guests are, people vacationing, people that are spending dollars here. But we also reflected that back of the house. So I really understood mm-hmm. the the uh and yeah. was trained on the concept of. Everything is a front-of-the-house moment. Uh, we want to treat our employees the same way we would treat these guests that are paying, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars for their stay here. Uh, so I was at high for about two and a half years, really cut my teeth a little bit in HR there, got got a taste for the, the flavor of the water. Um, and then I was curious about what would be next for me. Uh, and that was when I applied for a job online at Monumental Sports Entertainment. Just I was just looking for an HR job. That looks cool. Let's apply. Um, and it really wasn't <laughs> until... Not? It it really wasn't until I was preparing for the interview that I realized, oh, this is this could be this could be fun. Uh, So that was around 2012. Mm -hmm. Um, And once I got there, I just really never looked back uh, from from the sports space. Uh, What I like about sports is that it's fun. It's exciting. It's engaging. Um, uh, and and is there's just a level of camaraderie, you know, because we kind of have this mission. Most companies have a mission, but we also have a, a big, you know, whether it's a team mascot or a banner that we all kind of rally around. Um, so there's just a lot of excited, excitement and competition uh, because just as we have the, the, the athletes on the field, on the course, on the track, uh, whatever the case is, uh, that sort of same energy of doing your best and being the best is reflected in the business operation as well
0: it's interesting because what what makes it on the media or on ESPN is the racing team or the basketball team or the the coach led the team back or they or the quarterback did or you know whatever it, it, that's the story but it, I think is what's interesting too, for people to people think about is well the team doesn't get there unless the league creates the opportunity for it to exist in the first place and I'm, and I'm really, I've been thinking about this. I'm like, how do the leaders of the league? What are they doing to create that culture to foster that kind of competition? Um, and are those, are, I'm, you know, who, who are your leadership influences from this standpoint?
1: Mm. From internal to NASCAR, just in general.
0: Well, in general, but then at some point, I want to circle back to. To, to the leadership of the league that creates opportunities for the leaders to flourish on the field mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the track?
1: I would say, you know, generally when you think about sports, it's going to be your commissioners or your, your,
0: mm-hmm.
1: your for us, it's our president, Steve Phelps, that really kind of helps set the tone uh, and the tenor for how we're going to operate and move as an organization. What I like most about Ah, uh, Steve Phelps, who is our president, is that he he really likes to challenge the status quo. and and one thing he tells us frequently is you need to think about your business differently. Um, and I appreciate that because I think one of the one of the opportunities for failure as an organization is to is to think you know it all and to to rest on the the successes and wins of yesterday and last year. Uh, we have to continue to reinvent ourselves to maintain the competitive advantage. And so, when you look at NASCAR, it's really sort of in a revival moment of mm. getting greater exposure, growing its fan base, attracting new people to the sport. Uh, so it's it's a really good time to be in the space. But if we want to maintain that, um, if we want to maintain leading out front, we got to continue to elevate. We got to continue to evolve. So just mm. what was it two years ago, roughly? We we launched the next gen car. Uh, and so that was a brand new car that we put on the track. Last year was, it was his first season. Tons of research, tons of time, tons of just sleepless nights went into getting that product ready to perform. But when you think about that, I really think about how we as an organization have a desire to get to the next gen, uh, whether that's next gen of the employee experience, next gen of the fan experience, nice. next gen of, 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 of numerous things. And so it's it's a really exciting time. But, I, but I, I believe as leaders, you have to figure out ways in which you can motivate your employees to keep them thinking about what is next.
0: So how are leaders or how are you thinking about motivating your employees inside NASCAR?
1: When we think about motivating our employees inside NASCAR, I think that really comes down to some clear communication to let them know where we're going, mm-hmm. uh, help them understand how they help us get there. And I also believe it's it's fair that we acknowledge whatever bumps we have in the road because those are learning moments. I think we also have to remind ourselves that we should be flexible and understand the art of the pivot when we need to. Hmm. Um, Because we may set out with one strategy and realize "Mm, that's not giving the return on investment that we anticipated. So how do we pivot so that we can continue to get to our destination together? When I think about motivating people is letting them know the progress that we've made. And also one of my colleagues, we were talking the other day, and it's something that's so simple, but let's not ever forget to put a pretty bow on it. sometimes you you meet the goal, you 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 achieve the outcome and you just kind of keep moving to the next. I mm. think it's important that you pause for a second and say, "Hey, we did this. We did this together. So that's the that's the moment of putting a bow on it. Uh, and so I think that's really important,
0: yeah, that that moment of celebration of, I'm sure you you all uh, when you achieve a goal, you're not dumping Gatorade or uh, water on each other like they might on the racetrack. But the proverbial bow to acknowledge it, and I, you know, even leading my team, I I forget about that. You know, we plow on the next goal, for the next client, and it's so important to take a minute to celebrate because isn't that what it's all about ultimately? Yes. is being together and doing a great job and kind of preparing for the next step.
1: Um, and and i'll add one thing i think you also have to celebrate the small wins because sometimes you have a big hairy audacious goal but there were 20 small wins that led us there um i know for us here we we rolled out a new hris system and that's a big goal when you want to implement a a Hmm. enterprise-wide technology uh not only did we do it for hris we did it uh the the solution that works with our finance and procurement uh, all of that is connected and it's not an easy feat when you're rolling out new technology. But I have to remind yeah. our team that, hey, we meet that we met that goal. We achieved this goal. We fixed that problem. Because while we look at the big picture, it's like, wow, that's a big mountain and hill to climb. But look at how far we've come. So I, you, mm-hmm. I think as a leader, you have to remind your, your employees and your colleagues of that. Because sometimes you just kind of head down doing your work and you forget to look up or to look down to see how much progress you've made going up that mountain.
0: So talking about progress and whatnot let's let's talk about diversity because NASCAR seems to be in the media making strides towards uh diversity of uh business or uh team owners with Michael Jordan and Floyd Merriweather um Bubba Wallace had a big win at Talladega. We've been talking about Talladega yes, uh, we talked about we didn't talk about danica Patrick, but uh, a woman in one of the biggest races at, at Daytona but it's still a relatively small piece of the pie, right? In terms of the total NASCAR world. How are you as a leader thinking since from what it looks like that, that piece of diversity, at least underneath the, uh, the employees falls under your group. How how are you thinking and processing the future of diversity and NASCAR, you know, kind of coming together down the road?
1: You know, I think the biggest opportunity is that we continue to bring um, new faces into the space. Uh, I think one of the biggest opportunities that I have recognized is our employment brand. We sort of talked about this earlier, and I alluded Mm -hmm. to that. I think when people hear NASCAR, they think of our fan base, uh, which for some could be exciting, which for some could be less exciting. But my goal is to make sure that when you hear the word uh, NASCAR or or hear something about our sport, I want you to constantly be curious so that when you see me uh, outside representing and, and recruiting on behalf of NASCAR, I want you to be curious. I'm like, oh, he's there. Maybe I could be there. I want to learn more about NASCAR. Uh, and so I think curiosity is where you really want to go. And so I want to make sure that I have the ability to lead out front and growing our employment brand, because for some, they may not expect to see me here. And that's okay because I want you to be curious to learn more about what we have going on here in mm-hmm. NASCAR. Um, and once you get inside the organization, uh, I think it's important that we continue to tell our story ourselves and tell our authentic story. Uh, because I think at times what people know of NASCAR could be based on stereotypes or, or what they've heard from someone else. When you come to the track for your first time, uh, if, you have, if you're listening and you've never been, you will be surprised at the excitement the you know, the energy, the intensity. Coming I mean, you're 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 seeing cars go fast. You're smelling rubber burning. You are seeing fans of of all different walks of life. You're seeing families come and enjoy this sport that we love so much. Um and I think it's a sport that I I, I think your first opportunity to see it in person is is the one that really gets that hook in you and you want to stay curious. Uh another piece I'll say is we have to be intentional. Hmm. We have to put action uh to the words that we put out there so that we can drive appropriate impacted outcomes uh, right. i'm excited to share that uh this past year the daytona 500 uh we announced so uh, we announced a, a campus lab partnership with bethune cookman university located here in daytona beach daytona hmm. beach is the birthplace of nascar so when i think about the the history of two iconic um and prestigious groups that's nascar Then you think about bethune cookman Uh, And I'm just excited that we were able to announce this campus lab program, which will be sort of an immersive uh, learning and development opportunity for a group of probably 10 to 15 students. Uh, They'll learn about career opportunities within NASCAR. So earlier I talked about some of the different, uh, you know, aspects and lines of business that we have. You may have been surprised there, too. So just imagine what this group of students, they, they may have thought of NASCAR or even when you think of sports teams, you immediately think of I want to be the athlete on the court. Look, only a small percentage of us are going to have that natural skill and raw talent to make that happen. But there's a lot more opportunity to support the business process. So we want to open the curtain and let them see we have people in marketing, HR, Hmm. research, uh, and uh, analytics, et cetera. Then we also want to take them to a professional development cohort where we're going to talk about resume uh, preparation and execution. We're going to talk about interview prep. You know, today we're doing a lot of virtual interviews. And so there's a lot of best tips and practices. Look, Ben, when we got on this call today, I think I kind of rearranged my whole setup uh, to make sure that my background looked good. So those small things that can help you uh, as you're navigating your early career. And then finally, we're going to do a a marketing activation and partner with the students. So they will get to IDA and create a marketing activation. Mm-hmm. uh to present NASCAR to their student base and then finally we'll have a case competition but we don't stop there the wow. students that successfully complete the program will have the opportunity to earn up to about five thousand dollars in scholarship and then in addition to the program we donated one hundred thousand dollars to Bethune-Cookman University uh Sunday this past Sunday at the Daytona 500 which is nice because this is our 75th season as a mm-hmm. sport uh, this was the sixty fifth running of the Daytona 500 uh and our motto is hashtag always forward so what better way to 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 set a tone for how we're heading into our seventy fifth season but the impact that we uh that we want to make within our local community uh to support and grow uh Bethune cookman and also show them that they too can be a part of the NASCAR family
0: wow man you hit a grand slam on that one. Holy cow. I love, I love how you started out with uh, curiosity. So at hiring, uh, whether you're uh, you're, it sounds like you're really focused on, uh, attracting people with, and uh, increasing the curiosity about what NASCAR is all about challenging any stereotypes and bringing some really, you know, great talent to the organization. And I love how you're uh, working with Bethune Am I saying that right, Bethune Cookman? Yes, you have it right.
1: It was founded by Mary McCloud Bethune, um, and it was, I think, five students and a couple of dollars. Uh, I think it's the first uh, and uh, probably only HBCU HBCU to be founded by a black woman. Wow,
0: cool! So many amazing things going on there. Let's let's loop back now to, to some of your great greatest influences. Who were your greatest leadership teachers?
1: Uh, my greatest leadership teachers, all right, I'm gonna keep this um just be honest here. It was my two daughters, Maddie and Olivia um you know I had hey, a Maddie and Olivia hey, hey, <laughs> I had a you know I was leading people before I had kids, uh, and then I you know started you know continue leading people after having kids. I think what they taught me was that. You know, I think when you're younger, you hear the, the I think what they call it the golden rule, treat people how you want to be treated. And then there's the platinum rule of treat people how they want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Treating people how they want to be treated is the key to managing people. And I think my two daughters brought that uh to a front row for me. Uh my oldest daughter is 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 similar to me. We can we can take some tough feedback and keep it moving. We understand. Uh and then my youngest daughter is, you know, if you tell her, hey, Olivia, you did not clean up your room this morning, she will she might tear up and say, you don't like me and you don't love me. And it's like, no, that's not it at all. I just want you to clean up your room, please. Uh, and so you just understand how you have to approach people mm. differently. And that doesn't mean that you can't deliver a similar message, but you want to deliver it in a way in which it will land mm. appropriately so they understand what needs to happen next. Uh, and so that has been really important to me as I've continued to grow professionally. Of making sure that it's not a one size fit all Ben, you and I, you and I may have had a different rapport than maybe me and someone else on the team. So my approach to you is going to be a little bit different. But I can't go to that person with the same approach uh, because we're just going to have a different relationship. So I believe in leading with relationships. I love the concept of lowering the waterline. I wanna to get to know the people on my team, the people that I work with. So lowering the waterline, we've all seen that picture of the iceberg, you just see the top, but there's so much of the iceberg that's under the water.
0: Yeah, below and when the we water, start
1: talking yeah. more, we're gonna realize we have way more in common th- than we may initially expect. And then finally, you know, I heard someone recently say, change happens at the speed of relationships. Mm. And that is so true. Change happens at the speed of relationships because when you have a relationship, especially when that relationship is able to touch aspects of who we are outside of the workplace, we naturally will extend empathy and grace to someone.
0: So, so true, and that that relationship and getting to know people outside of work makes a big difference, and it does build trust more quickly, and allows you to. I, I, I love that that quote about the speed of relationships. Uh, is is or I guess how I guess the. the the, what was the quote again about relationships? The change change happens at the speed of relationships.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, all these organizations want to be innovative. They want to be changing. They want to be trans- transformative and, 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 and do all these good things. But you got to have relationships because yeah. guess what? As we want to do all these good things and change, there's going to be some people who are hesitant. There's going to mm-hmm. be some people who may be more conservative about the approach. Uh, but all of that is valuable information that we need to have on our radar and understanding that we're making the best decision on moving forward. Because Ben, you will have a line of sight to something that I may not, but that's the power of coming together. Well,
0: what, so what's your what's your advice for leaders who want to facilitate this relationship building among their employees? Empathy. Hmm.
1: I think I think the core of it is empathy.
0: It's starting to wrap this up, John. This has been really good and a lot of fun today. What what's your parting thought for our listeners?
1: Parting thought. As you're growing your career, a lot of times we refer to the that 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 path as a career development. Recently I've I've started to call those success paths. Because career development feels like it's one plus two plus three plus four. It's just this linear approach. Success paths are going to swerve. And so I tell everyone listening today, no matter where you are in your career, be open to the swerve and flow to where the opportunities are. Hmm. um, And believe in yourself.
0: All right, y'all. You heard it from NASCAR Mastermind about the swerve of your career. I'm sure there's some kind of correlation there (laughs) between winning their NASCAR race and swerving and winning in your career. John, thanks for coming on the show today, my friend. Thank you, Ben. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, the blueprint for creating the job you love without quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com/quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.